Welcome to Dreaming Back to the Earth. We are a podcast dedicated to exploring the concept that our dreams and their wisdom are a path to our soul-rooted relationship to self and earth. During these podcasts, we share our unique experiences, perspectives, and practices that foster an understanding of how each dream speaks to awakening and guiding us on a personal and ecological level. I'm Katrina Dreamer, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Kay Casper, and a very special guest, Carolyn Hooper. Welcome, everyone. Thank Welcome. You. And in this episode, hi, this is Mary Kay. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on the role of dreaming in our dreams as a path to support, guidance, and healing during the rite of passage experience known as the Vision Fast. The Vision Fast usually a ceremony of one to four days of fasting and living on the land offers an opportunity for us to make either transitions in our lives and mark them as well as opening ourselves to the guidance and support of the land and the spirits in terms of getting guidance for that transition or healing that we're feeling called to. Our dreams and dreaming can play a significant role during this time as we spend fasting in direct contact with the land. It is here that we open ourselves to the spirits of waking world, as well as the spirits of our unconscious and the universal unconscious. And I'm really pleased today to have a dear friend, Carolyn Hooper, who has had the experience recently of choosing to engage in a four-day fast where not only her time on the land, but also her experience of dreaming has impacted her in potent ways. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just delighted to be here. Carolyn is a restorative wellness coach, ecologist, educator, and wisdom guide in earth-honoring spiritual traditions. She promotes a return to sacred lifestyle, emotional and spiritual well-being, and the practice of active techniques for deeper connection with nature. She is the creator of Earthwise Waves, a platform for experiential programs and practices specifically designed to help people restore bonds of well-being and reciprocity with the natural world, with ancestors of land and family and with themselves. She is an experienced ceremonialist. She facilitates grief rituals, sacred circle dance, rite of passage, labyrinth walks and mindfulness program and conducts ceremony for individual and groups. Carolyn lives in Wilder, Vermont with her younger son and her animals on the sacred land she shares with the original ancestors and their gardens. So good to have you here with us. Thank you. And so you have had an incredible experience recently. Um, <laughs> I would call it mind blowing. On particularly sacred land and you have a story to tell and really an experience of how you're, I was really like, um, felt really powerful for me, how your dreams also um, guided you during that time that you were on the land. Um, can you share um, some of what 
what made you decide to take this vision fast and how your dreams really impacted you during that time? Absolutely. Um, it was both a conscious and unconscious decision to do this. Um, it was my 60th birthday in August and um, I've been doing a lot of work, ancestral work and um, in talking to a friend of mine who leads, these are the four day vision fasts are known as humbly chiapes. And um, in talking to him, I realized that I think I'm supposed to be doing something like this. And um, so I decided to formally make the intention of doing the vision fast and asked him to be my mentor and guide, which he did. And um, during that process, he, he, during the preparation process, he, he asked me to hold several intentions. Um, one was to, what do I want to let go of or transform? What do I want to reclaim? What does it mean to be an empty bone? And then also to face my biggest fear, which was scarcity of food. And in addition, I was told to find my power animal. And I had no idea what that meant. I've worked a lot with animal guides, but I didn't know who was going to show up. So I just thought I would let that unfold. And, and actually, it was Bear who showed up. And that's a whole story unto itself, how the Bear synchronicities and understandings about offerings. And, um, but as it unfolded, indeed, the place that I chose was Dreamland. Um, I'm, I work and teach at the Druid School in Mount Pelier. And so I set up my space inside the stone circle that was there, a 12 foot circle. It was just me, water, a sleeping bag, sacred altar items, a drum and a journal. And um, in that time, the day before I went in, I realized I had never asked Bear why it was there. And when I did, I was given the message that Bear invites you to build a dream lodge. And so the timing of this and the intention behind it in terms of the land and dreaming was I went in on the autumn equinox, which was the time of shifting from water to earth. Um, I went in at the moment of equinox, which is when the stone on the stone circle, the equinox stone, the shadow touched the central fire. Um, and the first day I built my dream lodge. And the second day I contemplated death. It was, it aligned with the anniversary of the death of my mentor, Ivan Macbeth. The third day I contemplated birth. Um, it aligned with the birthday of my oldest son. The fourth day I contemplated, what do I want to reclaim and bring back into the world? What is my medicine? Um, and the fifth day was being rebirth. And I basically spent the entire time, um, once I built my dream lodge, I built, spent the entire time in a state of dreaming, either a dream state during the day, um, which was sort of ties like trance journey or, um, yeah, trances or journeys, but also dreaming. And at night, vivid dreams, very vivid dreams. So being in that dream lodge, it allowed me to instantaneously go into a dream state during the day because I basically was lying on the earth for four days, absorbing the energy of the earth, um, feeling the power of the ancestors as they revealed themselves to me and um, being held by bear. And, and that was an amazing part. 
I don't know how much you want to hear about the actual dream states themselves, but there's some really cool things in there, <laughs> depending on our time. Uh, but I will share one dream state with you in terms of the lodge and bear. Uh, the first day when I went into a dream space, I came out of it and felt bear lying next to me. I went back into a dream state. And as I did, the words came to me asking bear to eat the flesh off my bones. And when I came out of that, I realized that my dream lodge was no longer just a dream lodge. I was floating in bear's womb. And I spent the entire rest of the four days floating in a womb in a dream state. Wow. <laughs> I have so many questions, but I don't want to interrupt the flow of your story if you have more to tell. Um, you know, why don't you ask the questions? Because, um, you know, each, each day had its own dream states. You know, mm. um, the first day was about bear and being in the womb. The second day is I contemplated, contemplated death. Um, the dream state that I went into, the ancestors took me back to show me my original trauma death and what that meant. And when I came back from that, I just was asking over and over, help me untangle, help me comb out the tangles of trauma and legacy, help me comb out the tangles of trauma and legacy. The third day when I went into the dream state and I'm, and I'm contemplating birth, the ancestors showed me my original creation. And, and that, that was astounding because what they said was that is holy. And that to me was just the feeling of being shown the holiness of our original creation and knowing that nobody, nobody can take that away from us. It doesn't matter the trauma through our life or lives, nobody can take away the holiness of that original creation. That was amazing. Um, and then the last day, the dream states are saying, what, you know, what are you reclaiming? What does it mean to be an empty bone and having the ancestors show me what those gifts were? So each day was a dream state that just revealed gifts and insights and, and like pearls on a thread, um, weaving it all together. Nighttime were nightmares, big time nightmares. Okay. So that, so that sort of sets the scene for what happened. <laughs> mm. Can you describe, what do you mean by dream state for those that are listening? What Boy, that's a really, you know, it wasn't just a trance um, because I was aware of um, being guided. It wasn't a dream. Boy, it's... If I had to describe it visually, I would sort of disappear. And sometimes in journey work, um, when in some of the Celtic fairy seership or some of the Druid journey work, if I'm going on an actual intended journey and I'm not supposed to see something, I'll just kind of go unconscious. You lose the connection and then you come out of it. It was sort of like that, except I would... I would end up being shown a nugget while I was still in this state and then come back through it. So almost like going through a tunnel, a channel in a dream, being held in this space, being shown something, and then coming out through that tunnel and channel, coming back. Um, so it was very different than the nighttime 
dreams, which were, you know, much more the subconscious, the, um, the little things that would bubble up, they were often full of fear or, or pieces of trauma, almost like they gave context to the things that were being re revealed in a dream state during the day. Um, I don't know if that helps or not. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And my, my question around that, kind of also for the listeners, but also my own curiosity is, were you drumming to help you get to those dream states? Or, you know, what, what was your, or, or was it just like lying down and being with the land? Like, how did you get into those? What was my method of, yeah. uh, my method of shifting consciousness? Yeah, that's a much better way to put it than I said it. So <laughs> I did have my drum. I drummed a lot, but I, I literally did nothing other than lie down on my sheepskin on the land. Um, and often I would find I was just carried away mm. and um, almost instantaneously. And so I think that was kind of the difference between the dream state during the day versus the dreams at night, the nighttime kind of dreaming, um, or I would fall asleep. The dreams, the dream state during the day, I couldn't tell you if I was gone for 15 minutes or three hours. Um, and I think part of what really enhanced that experience was not being tied to linear time. So not being worried about time, not having any outside influence, that time changed only because the light of the day changed. Time changed only because the stars moved across the sky. And so that disconnect from the linear things that we've created for ourselves in this world allowed me both to sink into and be deeply connected to just not I can't say disappearing because I didn't disappear. It was very intentionally held, um, but allowed me to shift the state, I guess, um, mm -hmm. much more consciously. And each time I lay down, I didn't necessarily have the intention, I want to go into a dream state. Um, it was more intuition that says, okay, it's time to lie down again. I'm also curious what you mean by dream lodge. So um, I found the term the day before when I read my animal medicine cards, my animal totem cards, and I just thought I'm going to see what Bear says. And that was the phrase that caught my attention was I'm going to build a dream lot or Bear invites you to build a dream lot. So when I set up my space prior to going into it, it was a 12 foot circle made of um, sprinkled cornmeal and tobacco. And I took instead of getting everything set up prior to going in, I just set my items in there. And then once I did, I just sort of sat quietly and said, okay, where does my sleeping bag go? Where does my altar go? Where's uh, So in that sense, it was like bear creating a cave for hibernation. Um, and that, it, and it, that plus the intention that I am building a dream lodge, um, that's, that's what it was. Um, I, I would say Bear's medicine in that case was I'm building a space in which I'm going to go into hibernation, allow things to unfold, allow the time to pass. And without the food, I'm having to dip into a deep well of reserves of my body 
like a bear would during hibernation. So I guess some of the bear medicine and some of what it meant to be in a dream lodge. Hmm. How did you, how did you experience, like each day you said there was a different type of like experience that, did you see that there were kind of a flow of experience with your dreaming time that kind of built on each other? Um, Probably not as much until connecting the dots in hindsight. Um, I knew when I went in that the timing was really auspicious. I guess that's the word. You know, I I was going in on autumn equinox. I was, my second day would be Ivan's death day. My third day was the the birthday of my oldest son. You know, the fourth day was, okay, I need to reclaim. So I kind of knew I was going to contemplate on each of those things, but I had no intentions on where that was going to take me. Um, And oftentimes the words as I slid into the daytime dream state would come to me in the moment. You know, the idea of asking bear to eat the flesh off my bones. I have no idea where those words came from. Um, The asking the ancestors to show me my original trauma death. That was not on my plate whatsoever. Um, I'd be happy if I hadn't seen that. But um, it was it was remarkably important and, impo- and, po- and potent for me to see that and experience it and be held by the ancestors during that time and to know that they were there and guiding the process. So some of the intentions when I went in, I knew what I wanted, but I had no idea how they were going to unfold until I look back and maybe hindsight is the greatest gift of all to see what they guided me through. Um, I, there's no way I could have put something like that together. Um. I'm curious about your prep and how you made yourself ready for this. And also kind of what a little bit like what, what has your spiritual practice been? Um, like up to this point, right? Because I think having a good container for an experience like this is so important. So yeah, I, I'm curious about what your what your prep work was like. And it could have been multiple years, not just you know, <laughs> what you did you know, the, the week before or whatever. I, I think that's all true. And, and again, in hindsight, and also in talking to my mentor, um, who basically said, Carolyn, you've been incubating this for 60 years. Um, and it came to this point. That being said, um, so my spiritual practices, I'm a practicing Druid. I also teach Druidry. Um, I'm a fifth year apprentice in Celtic fairy seership in the house of Brie. Um, uh, I'm an eclectic person, so um, I am very, uh, very aware of being culturally aware of the things that I do. Um, that being said, the humbly Chiapi, in this case by my mentor, he was initiated and does them in the Lakota tradition. And for some of the time, I was very uncomfortable with that because I felt like, how can I be doing this? This is not my tradition. The ancestors had extraordinary lessons for me around that. And um, both in terms of what it means to work with the original ancestors of the land, what it means to honor them, to create offerings, to create space for them. So that, in fact, is one of the gifts that has unfolded is it's very clear to me that this is a place I need to work. But the preparations, um, the traditional preparations are one turn, one quarter turn of the wheel 
So basically from summer solstice, you know, in this case would have been, if it was intentional, summer solstice to fall equinox, autumn equinox. It wasn't, if I was started talking to him in late July, August, realizing I'm supposed to do this, it was only again in hindsight that I realized it had been unfolding since summer solstice. And actually prior to that, when I'd been doing a lot of ancestor work over the course of the previous year. So Katrina, all those things are done. That also, there were very specific preparations that I had to do making prayer offerings, uh, prayer bundles I needed to do, finding my power animal. Finding my power animal was challenging because um, I didn't know where to, how to search to, to go for it. But I've done this kind of work long enough that I know that I, I can tell when I need to sit and be still and let the process unfold and trust that it will show up to me in time. And it, and it certainly did. Um, so the whole idea behind offerings using tobacco, I was very uncomfortable with. Um, but the ancestors had a huge lesson for me in what it means to honor them with ways that they are familiar with. And um, so I've come to a reconciliation around tobacco. And they took me on a big, long journey with that. So you have hit upon something that is incredibly important to me for people who do rites of passage. Um, that is the preparation and the um, reintegration, the being received and the reintegration on the other side of it. And, and rites of passage have become kind of a, the go-to spiritual thing to do in a lot of ways. It's become big business, you know, go, go do your, your vision quest. And it's not to say that there isn't some preparation and there isn't some reintegration, but, um, you know, we, it really was driven home to me how important mindfully preparing and letting this unfold is. And even more important, the giving time for reintegration at the end. It doesn't mean just coming out and spending an hour or so talking to your group. Um, it means I basically set aside a fourth trimester for myself after being reborn out of this to say, all right, I'm a little baby here. I don't know anything. I've just been given all these downloads and all these gifts. And now what do I do with it? And one little step at a time, letting it unfold. And the dreams since then and the, the dream states since then have been just as powerful as the ones that came during the, during the vision quest itself. Mm. I was just going to ask how, how has your dreaming states and your dreaming changed since you've been out? And how has it supported the, the fast? Um, so one of the things that I came out with is the realization that I have to keep this alive. I have to keep this experience alive. I have to keep the gifts I was given alive or it will go back to sleep. Um, and in order to do that, I need to work with it every day. I need to repeat to myself the gifts. I need to tell the story of, or portions of the story, just like this. I mean, I'm actually incredibly grateful that you all are giving me this opportunity because it allows me to keep, keep the story alive for myself and to share, I won't even say share the wisdom because I used to call myself a wisdom keeper. I don't anymore because I don't keep any wisdom. I call myself a wisdom guide because that's the concept of being an empty bone. Um, just holding the space and allowing the wisdom of the ancestors in the seven sacred directions to basically breathe through. 
I don't have to know a thing. That was so relieving to realize that I don't have to know a thing. <laughs> so um, you keep telling, telling the stories, I have had some incredible journeys with bears, some dreams with bears. I, I never dreamed about bears and I bet I've had three or four really powerful dreams um, with very vivid, very vivid images of bears since then as well. And it, you know, part of this fourth trimester is, is saying, okay, what does it mean to be carrying bear medicine that I've brought out with me? How do I grow into that? Um, how do I share it with the rest of the world? How do I weave the gifts that I've learned, both the bear medicine piece, the ancestor work piece, how do I weave that into work and workshops that I'm already doing, classes that I'm already teaching? Um, so, so the support is coming from many levels. It's coming from people like you who allow me to share my story. Um, it's coming from the ancestors. It's coming from Bear herself as she continues to support me. Um, I realized today, sort of inadvertently, um, I, in working with the ancestors, the original ancestors on the land, I was moved to create a sacred circle, a sacred grove for the original ancestors on my land. And so I've planted three native white cedar trees. And last night, or the ten, this is moondark time. So I thought, what a great time to dedicate the space. So this morning at sunrise, I went out and dedicated or opened the circle, created the circle, and, um, and then was called to say, well, wait till sundown to make an offering and have a fire and sort of close the ceremony. I thought, well, that's kind of odd, but all right, I'll be in ceremony all day. And it wasn't until just before this podcast, I thought, how utterly perfect is that? Because I'm in ceremony all day. And what am I doing? I'm, allow I'm being given the gift of space to share the story, what the ancestors have given me. How perfect is that? So we're in ceremony. We're in ceremony. That is true. That is true. Did go. that answer your question, Mary Kay? <laughs> yeah, yes, it did. I mean, and uh, I to take a little bit further. How do you work with? So you have you're having many because I think people like a little bit more specifics here. When you had when you're having these dreams about bear, how do you work them into your life? How do you bring that into your life? Mm, so. Sometimes the working is just being still. And I think, and for me, writing it down, keeping it alive there, you know, I can remember one dream in which Bear came to me um, first with, uh, first by herself, then with three cubs, first in the house, then swimming along a shore. I mean, there was just boatloads of imagery in it. And I found myself saying, okay, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? Um, and some of it I could sort of put together, but I also realized too that we have a propensity to try and analyze a lot of things and, and put a lot of concrete meanings to things that we might not have in the moment. And I just know for myself, if I'm still, if I note them, if I say, okay, this feels important, this feels important, I'm not quite sure how they fit together and allow it to just sort of bubble and filter and hold space for it, that oftentimes, oh, that's what it meant. Oh, there it is. Um, so it's a combination of 
of working it directly and working it indirectly by letting it come to fruition in its own time. I also get the, the, the um, idea, and I, I know this is something in my dream work that I do, it, it's like being in relationship with bear. So it's like letting, letting the body, letting the, 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 the wakefulness of feeling what, it like, what it's like to be with bear. Yes. Like actually letting my body feel that, letting my soul feel that. Um, just Yeah, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing because, you know, there was so much that was feeling during the dream states um, in the Humbly Chappie. So I just like when being shown that, you're, uh, that my creation is holy. I mean, there's just an intense feeling being shown trauma death. There was an intense feeling like throughout my body, being, with, being in bear's womb. It's just like, whoa trying to hold on to those feelings afterwards and find them and reclaim them has been harder. Um, but what I realize is in having experienced them in continuing to journal and continuing to tell the story and continuing to try and work with um, keeping it alive, my being is fundamentally changed. It's, re, it's woven into me and my experience, the, the healings that came out of it, the gifts that came out of it, the rememberings that came out of it. Um, so by connecting with those feelings, even if I can't, if I can't reimagine them, if I, I can't make them happen again, they're in there. And because I work with them and I remember to remember them, they're very powerfully woven into my being. I'm curious about the connection to the land as well and how do you feel like I mean you've you've already you're already kind of connected to that place because doing druid work there um but clearly you chose it for a reason and you chose that circle for a reason and there is something magical about that land so how how did that connection play into all of this Oh, that's an interesting question because if it had been my first choice, I would have done this by the ocean, on an island by the ocean. I have a powerful connection to water, um, water and fire. And, but logistically, I couldn't have drugged my mentor up there. Um, I'm not sure I could have made it happen. I think it was a meant to be kind of thing that I chose Dreamland as I would say it was my second choice, but I believe it was probably the first and original choice. I just had to get out of the way and understand that. <laughs> um, and I think in some ways, because of the depth of connection and relationship that I have with that land, um, I, that made it even more profound. To be honest, let's see, I've been on that land now for a dozen years, perhaps, and I have camped on it in tents, in my car, in the yurt, and I have never ever camped under the stars in the stone circle because I was terrified of what I would manifest. Mm. Um, that's, that's the kind of you know, magic that happens up there. And that was part of the, the terror of lying there in my sleeping bag under the stars, having bear medicine be so strong, knowing the strength and the power of that land what the hell was I going to manifest showing up at my circle? Um, and so the land, dreamland, 
played an incredibly provocative part in setting the stage and holding the space um, of how this all unfolded. And that, and that as well as being within the standing stones, I had two standing stones in my circle, in my 12 foot circle. One was the East stone, the Equinox stone, and one was the Sirius stone. So I had two standing stone people holding space for me in that circle and knowing that the other stones were there also holding space. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as, and watching the trees, you know, what else do you have to do during the day than watch the trees speak through the mo movement of their leaves, you know, watch the stars move across the sky. So yes, the land was deeply, deeply important. And I think if it hadn't been that land and the relationship that I had with it, it would have been a very different experience. And, and my mentor even said, choose land in which you already have a relationship. Mm. Um, it's don't just kind of go out and find a spot, but choose a place in which you already have a relationship, which begs the question then how important it is for us to develop relationship with the, with the place, the spirit of place. And I'm going to borrow a phrase from Sharon Blackie, the place where our feet are planted. And mm. so, um, you know, so that's, that's where my feet were planted and in many, many ways. Your mentor was there with you during the time or was nearby? Is that right? He, I, well, yes and yes. Um, so he was on the land with me. He was in a place which I could sort of see if I stood on my tiptoes and looked way out over down the hill. Um, but he also, he kept a prayer fire going for the entire four and a half days mm -hmm. and doing prayers, doing offerings for the land, for the, for me, for himself, for others, for healing, for the ancestors. Um, he would drum down there and I would often be very comforted at night because I could hear him drumming sometimes or I would hear him put wood on the fire. And even though I couldn't see the fire, couldn't see the glow, I could hear it crackle and pop. Um, but you know, how did the land hold me? The, the, the day after I came out, when I was sharing some of my experiences, um, I said to him, you know, I was really comforted by the hearing you put wood on the fire at night. And, but you must not have slept the last night because I heard, you know, I heard you chopping wood and you didn't usually do that at night. He said, I wasn't chopping wood. <laughs> and, and then my friend, one of my three midwives said, well, did you hear the spirit drummers last night? And I said, no, no, I heard, I heard my mentor drumming. And he said, yeah, I drummed for a little while, but it wasn't all me. Um, so, <laughs> so those, you know, so yes, it's the land that hold, holds me. It is the ancestors, the spirit of the land, the original ancestors. You know, there's, it's, they're all part and parcel. And I think one of the things that's so important for us to remember when we talk about the original ancestors and where they are is, you know, yes, we can have a relationship with the land, but we need to remember that every single footstep that we take, we are walking on the bones of the original ancestors. And we need to honor that. We need to respect that. We need to be in right relationship with that. We need to be humble about that. What, what does that phrase original ancestors mean to you? The original ancestors who walk this land. Um, so in this case, where I am, that would be the people of the dawn, the Abenaki. 
Um, you can go back further and say, you know, the original ancestors were even pre-people, um, pre-humans. But in this case, in terms of respect and humility and gratitude and honoring, I think it goes to the original peoples who walked this land. You know, we stand and we live and we play on lands, colonized lands that they once occupied. And we need to remember that with humility every time. Absolutely. Mary Kay, did you have more can, you wanted could, to ask? I could keep going here with uh -huh. all these questions. I have so many so much <laughs> more questions here. But I get I guess I'm you know getting through time here and and if there was so much of what you've also shared is your own is the wisdom that you've gotten from the experiences that you've had. Um it is there something more that you want to tell our listeners about how they too can open to these kind of experiences and to the work of rite of passages and to their dreams in this way? Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe just reiterating some of the points, the, making an intention that this is what I'm going to do. Setting aside the time and the container um, without the distractions. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of the, the four day vision quest, there were levels of discomfort that I could choose. And I would, I would say that the level of discomfort, um, maybe Katrina, going back to your question of what did I do to allow myself to go into these different states? You know, you talked about drumming. Um, the level of discomfort, the fear that I faced around food probably had something to do with it. I could have chosen different levels of comfort. I could have chosen not to sleep. I could have chosen not to sleep or eat or drink. Um, you know, those are all levels of discomfort that help shift you into that trance place. And recognizing, you know, if you are in, if you're able to set aside that container and go in with intentions, whichever, whatever your intentions are, it will get hard and you can't do it alone to cry to the earth, to pray to the earth, to pray to the ancestors, help me. I do not know what I'm doing. That's the humility and being humble around this. And, um, but the preparations cannot underestimate how important those are, the intentional preparations. Uh, and having a guide was huge. And, and the guide can be, some, I would say, somebody who has experience in this also. Um, but the, the preparations, it, it's not something just to say, oh, next weekend I'm going to do a vision fast. And it doesn't matter whether it's 24 hours or four days or somewhere in between. Um, the preparation is important and how you are received and how you keep your gifts alive at the end is equally important. Um, how to integrate it into your world. So, um, you know, I guess those are, those are the places. And the final thing perhaps is if you prepare, if you, you know, make your intentions, you will not fail. Even if you don't last the entire time, you will get something out of it. And, and that's important to know that you cannot fail. 
if, if you say I failed because I didn't last the entire time or, oh, I had to have a little bite to eat or something like that, that is all part of the healing, the unfolding, the inquisitiveness, the coming up against the boundaries and the edges, the places that need healing, the traumas. That's all information to be woven into the next steps. Right. Right. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting with it all like, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it. And, and it is, it's hard to distill it into this time frame that we have here in this podcast. But I really think you've said volumes about your experience and also what it, what it can be, how, how it can unfold and how it can be in concert with dreams and the land and yeah and I hadn't actually realized until you know Mary Kay asked me to do this and you know asked me to think about how dreaming was connected to this I don't think I would have put it in that context Mm -hmm. the more I thought about it I thought you know it's it is not coincidence that Bear asked me to build a dream lodge. And then here we are talking about how dreams influence us. It was four and a half days of being in a dream state. Mm. And I, I don't think I would have put those words to it, but that's exactly what it was. Right. 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 And we can, and we can, define dreaming, not just what we experience when we fall asleep. That we, was the, that was mind blowing. That was yeah, very, I mean, we, awesome. yeah, exactly. We open ourselves up, especially when we're on land with that connection to the universe and to everything around us in a deep, a deep way when we let go and we release ourselves from our normal thinking and normal doing that we experience in everyday life. Yeah, the things that tie us to uh, analyzing and linear time and commitments and and, you know all the all the little boxes that we put ourselves in um it really can cut us off from the dreams that are possible right 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 so is there anything more that any one of us sitting here would like to share before. <laughs> Do you have anything more that you would like to share, Carolyn, before we sign no, off? No, I think, um, you know, you all have given me a wonderful gift in allowing me to share what I've shared and being able to look at it from another dimension that ties together things that I hadn't thought about in a different way. So it's equally a gift for me to be mm-hmm. here. Um, to know that we're sharing ceremony together, even though you didn't know you were doing that. Um, <laughs> Sneaky. Sneaky. <laughs> uh, ancestors, that's right. They're here with us all the time, co-creating. You know, that's what it is about. It is about co-creation. You know, we got ourselves into this mess, but we cannot get out of it by ourselves. We need help. And I think we need help right. from the land. We need help from the ancestors. We need help. And it's through the dreams that they communicate to us the dreams and the intuitions and the insights. (sighs) Wonderful. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah. And we always end with a exercise. There's a part of me that's like, you've already given people an exercise. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and there's so much, you know, so much more. I mean, part of me was thinking, I don't know, Katrina, if you've, if you were thinking about anything, it's like 
going into our dreaming, sleeping, dreaming state with the in intention of asking for guidance around this work, you know, mm. opening ourselves up to the work of rite of passage and what is calling to us, especially during this time. Um, this is, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of shifting going along, a lot of conflict at the same time of that we're opening up to something deeper and, and more profound, um, many of us are, and, and there's still the struggle. And I think this is a rite of passage time. I think that there's so much going on in the world that we are shifting and opening up to. And I think, you know, perhaps within that, I think you're absolutely right. You know, one of the intentions, even if we can't always see a specific one that was so powerful was, what do I want to reclaim? Mm. What are the gifts that I can bring into the world? Mm. You know, can you help me remember what my gifts are? What do I want to reclaim? Right. I love it. I love it. There you go, everyone. There it is. Beautiful. <laughs> There's your homework, everyone. <laughs> I'm writing it down for myself. So. And, and I think the, the one word that you said is remember, because it's already been there. That's right. We, we remember. We need to remember to remember. That's why it's a reclaiming, because it's not something that ever went away or is being invented for us right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a, I don't can't say I don't believe in past lives. I don't know enough to say, but I do believe that we all bring experiences from before, whatever before means, with us, the legacies, the traumas, the, the pieces. And so um, it's there from that original creation, that, you know, the original creation that no one can take away from us. We just need to remember and reclaim our gifts. Right. Right. Easier said than done. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> True. True. And so. And so, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. I think people will find it really something to dig into. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody ever has questions or thoughts, or they're welcome to reach out to me, you know, they can reach out to Mary Kay, who can get in, in touch with me. I don't know if it's appropriate to give contact information yeah. over this so I won't. oh absolutely yeah, oh, go for wanna, it. yeah oh, do okay it. <laughs> i don't yet have a website for my earthwise ways programs um, that's in the process but uh, you can contact me um, via email it's carolyn c-a-r-o-l-y-n h hooper h-o-o-p-e-r at gmail.com so there's two h's in the middle there um, and you're welcome to reach out to me if you have questions about this process, about, about ancestor work, about anything like this. I'm, I'm happy to talk to you. Thanks again so much for being here. Thank you for the gift of the space. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Yeah. And so with Love that said- my clan sister. Yes, 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 yes. We hope all of you listen to this incredible podcast and we're really glad to have everyone be with us on this journey. Um, thank you, Carolyn, for being and thank you, Katrina, my co-host and um, on this podcast, Dreaming Back to the Earth. Thanks again. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Goodbye. Bye.